The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want us to turn to Genesis 28 today. Glory to God. I, I believe I've got a word for you this morning. And the word is this. What altar are you worshiping? What altar are you worshiping? What is the focus of your attention? What is the focus of your worship? Just because you come to church does not mean that you are a true worshiper. It just means you are in a building. And I'm, I'm going to say some things because, because when we create, when we, when we build an altar unto the Lord, what follows an altar experience is activity. And I'm going to say this very bluntly. I mean, all we've talked about, Preston and I, really is about the building. We haven't talked about you much at all. Not that he doesn't love you, but we talked about other things because we haven't seen each other for a while, right? But I believe God is going to activate destiny this week. I believe God's going to do some things to activate people. And what I'd like to do, some part of this next two or three days, is to have an anointing of oil service to activate all the runners in the church, to those that carry, to start running. It's one thing to carry something in the Spirit. That's one thing. But God wants you to run with what you carry. Hallelujah. All right? So turn with me to Genesis 28. I ministered this. I, I, I came, remember I came here just for a night, um, and I ministered on Genesis 28. But, but I want to go back on a couple of scriptures. This has become one of my favorite chapters, uh, uh, chapter 28. And I want to establish some things, and then we're going to get into where the main crux. I'm not going to be long this morning, and uh, if, I, if I get time, I would love to pray for you in the morning service. Because I want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you are an imparter, you love to lay hands on things. So when I'm back in Australia and, and I haven't laid hands on somebody, you'd be surprised who I lay my hands on. <laughs> Glory to God. If, if the cocker spaniel from next door comes by, come here, boy. <laughs> Glory to God. And you, you know, because I'm an imparter by nature and by ministry. Glory to God. I remember one time Benny Hinn's pastor came through our church in New Zealand, and he said, if you've got a healing ministry, he said, practice on the family pet. <laughs> That's what he said. So my dog suffered greatly. I cast devils out of him. I, got, I exercised a discerning of spirit on him. I, I, I prayed him, tried to raise him up from the dead, which was difficult because he was so much alive. I mean, I was young at the time. And a bit immature. Glory to God. Now I'm old and still immature. But what, can I tell you something, church? What I love about, because I'm 72, 
right? But what I love about being 72 is this. I say things now. Well, let me put it this way. When I was 30 and 40, right, I would say things and people would say, he's a real idiot, (laughs) right? Now I say the same things at 72 and they think I've got wisdom. (laughs) Glory to God. I love that. What a way to go. Glory to God. It's almost like you can get away with saying anything. I think, oh, the drippings of wisdom coming forth from this man of God. Hallelujah. But you know what I've learned at 72? I'm actually enjoying life a lot better than when I was 40. I would never want to be 40 and 30 again. Number one, I'm closer to the Lord, going there. That's a good thing, right? But I just, you know, I've got a bit of wisdom now. I do have something there, and it's good. And my wife said, well, it should have at your age. (laughs) Glory to God. I get asked often, when are you going to grow up? I said, I'm trying to grow down. All right. So chapter 28. I don't know what it is this morning, Preston, but I feel really naughty in this place this morning. <laughs> kind of like a, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's a kind of, and some of you, when I said that, some of you look at me like this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Genesis 28. Jacob is on the run from Esau. And, and he comes, uh, verse 10, and Jacob left Bathsheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there overnight because the sun was set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay there down to sleep. Or he lay down there to sleep. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven And the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood over and beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. I will give to you and to your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your offspring shall be as countless as the the dust or sand of the ground. And you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, the south. And by you shall your offspring be blessed. Now, it's interesting because when he came to Jacob and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. He was saying, I'm not just one of the many gods. I am the God. So he's reassuring Jacob, right, that he is the God, the God of Abraham. So let's go over the page. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep watch over you with care. Take notice of wherever you may go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done all that I have told you. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. It's amazing, because that verse really, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I have been in meetings where people have been having encounters with God, and there are people sitting beside them, right, 
that did not know what was happening to the person alongside them, or I, I have seen God corporately uh, encounter the congregation, but a group of people have no idea what's happening. So we have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, and you don't want to have an encounter with me this week. You need to have an encounter with God, and my function is to lead you to that place where you can have an encounter with God that you don't remember me when I leave, you remember what God did through me when I leave. It's not to draw attention to myself, it's to draw attention to the King of Kings, to the Lord. And, and, I, and because I, I don't know anything really about the church, when I fire from the hip, it, you, you, we, we want to fire from the hip, but we want to speak as the oracles of God. I want you to hear the voice of God with what I'm saying. And if you feel challenged, that's good. If you feel pressed, that's good. Glory to God. If you are convicted, that's good. Because I can come in here and do that because I'm leaving. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's just wonderful. Like, bang, 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 bang. Bye. And then I'm out to the next place to do the same thing. Hallelujah. So now, listen to this. Verse 16. So Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How to be feared and reverenced is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gateway to heaven. And this where comes the perversion in the climate of church today because we interpret church as a building. Now the reality is whether you are in this building, the White House, or any house, the building is irre irrelevant when it, because all a building does is house a group of people that corporately want to meet together, fellowship, and, <coughs> and, and, uh, and, and seek the kingdom of God. So the building is not the house of God. But what Jacob saw, he saw some things in relation to the church. And this is going to lead me into where I want to go this morning, right? He saw some aspects concerning the house of God. And these are aspects that must be incorporated and entwined in the culture of this church. The first thing he saw, I want you to write this down. He saw a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. The ladder did not come down from heaven to earth. It was, it was from earth to heaven. So what does the ladder speak to us of? A ladder speaks to us of access. Right? Our job as a church, our ministry, is to steward what we receive from heaven and steward it on the earth. Glory to God. God never gave you what he gave you for you to just pew warm for the rest of your life. God wants to expand the children's church. He wants to expand the worship team so there are multiple worship teams. He wants to expand you. He wants to bring you 
he wants to bring you out of inactivity and bring you into activity and have you fulfill your destiny and find your destiny. Now, if you're older than 65, you have no excuse with me to tell me, well, I'm getting old now, glory to God. I brought the plot the other day. I brought it because the view was nice, all the trees. Glory to God. See, that's not your job. Your job is not just to occupy until you die. Your job is to be active and out doing the work of God, which means the responsibility is finding out what your destiny is. And if you don't know what your destiny is, let me make it real easy for you. Your destiny is that which lives on the inside of you that you have not done yet. That thing that's a passion inside you. My passion is that I'm a revivalist. My passion is the body of Christ. My passion is to activate people to do the work of the, of the ministry. And so our job, Jacob talked about a ladder on earth up to heaven and then he's reaching to the top of heaven, and then he saw on that ladder angelic manifestations. He saw angels coming down. Glory to God. Are you right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you watching her, Brandy? She's, she's dangerous behind there now. Look, the chair fell off. See, glory to God. What's wrong with the chair? Yes, you do. You, no, 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 you do. Fix it. I'm fine. Move it all the time. Just unscrew it. I mean, the pastor will take care of it. See, what happens when a keyboard falls asleep and falls off the stool? <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just joshing. Um, glory to God. Where was I? I've lost my train of thought. Hallelujah. You can tell I wasn't trained at a Bible cemetery, seminary, don't you? <laughs> I was never trained in one. Um, anyway, how's it going, Preston? You got it fixed? All right. And so the ladder, the ladder is created, listen to me now, and it is built by us. The ladder did not come from heaven to earth. It, it was built on earth and it reached heaven. And when it reached heaven, that's when the supernatural began to move. As, and, and Jacob defined that as the church. So the first thing that defines the church is it's the church's responsibility to create an access for the supernatural of God to move in that local body. God wants you and I, not just the preacher, God wants you and I to operate in the supernatural realm. Thank you for your overwhelming response. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Be because in the old days, we would, we would carry a little booklet or a track and we'd go out into the streets like I used to and we'd witness with a little track and we'd try and talk to somebody but, but, but today what, what, what I see happening is, is people embracing the supernatural of God and going out in, in, in public places and operating prophetic and operating a word of knowledge and, and getting a word of knowledge on somebody, bringing the God to that person 
and then getting them saved. Hallelujah. Because you can't separate, you can't separate God from demonstration. You can't separate God from signs and wonders because God is signs and He is wonders. And the problem with church life, that, that churches try to separate that because they feel it's too risky to push into that kind of thing. But, but we have to build a ladder so it reaches heaven so that the angelic and the supernatural can begin to flow. So what is that ladder? Write this down. The ladder we are talking about is built by prayer and fasting. The ladder is prayer and fasting. And when, when we pray and when we fast and we seek the face of God, we build that ladder till it reaches the heaven and then we start to see the supernatural. We see God beginning to move in our midst. Why is it that we, we can't and won't have the supernatural move in church life, yet witches, witches and wizards have the supernatural moving all the time? So the first thing that defined the house of God in what Jacob saw, and, and when he talked about surely this is the house of God, that was the first mention of the house of God in Scripture. Now, I know I've shared this before, but it was a one-nighter, but I really feel impressed to do this, hoping to get into really what I want to share, but I want, I, I've got to get a basis for this. So now he sees a ladder. He sees angels uh, uh, descending, doing what they do, and then ascending uh, after they've completed their mission, right? And how come we come week after week and are not challenged to believe God for the operation of the gifts of the Spirit? They are basic things. Prophecy in the house of God. I pray that their gift of prophecy begins to flow in the house of God, not just from me, not just from Preston, but you would stand up and declare the word of the Lord. People's lives changed by this. I was determined this morning that, that when I came here, because I feel so connected to this house, I love this church. But, but, but I, I don't want to come in as just simply an itinerant blow-in that blows in because you're on my circuit. I come here because I actually love you. I know you find that difficult, but I do. I come here because I actually love you, and I, and, and I want to see you progress into where God wants to take you. See, see we can sit in the house of God and have big dreams that are ne never realized. And the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are a lot of Christians sitting in churches today that, that, that have hope deferred. They've wanted to serve God. They may have waited 40 years and they're still not serving God. With, with a, uh, big, and they feel the passion of it, but it's never realized. God wants to activate everybody in champion. It's time. It's time to get creative, go out into the community and begin to believe God. Listen, you can't fish here. You've got to fish out there. You receive here, but you fish out there. Hallelujah. 
Ooh, glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, I'm talking to you, man, as a 72-year-old. You can't throw the old card at me. I won't listen to you. I'll ignore you. I'll tell you, go and slap your mama, and then if she's still alive, slap your grandmother. Glory to God. Get out there and do something for God. Glory to Jesus. Okay, let's just go on with this. Your overwhelming response to me this morning is just <laughs> setting me back. I just don't know how to handle it right now. Glory to God. You know I'm just joshing with you this morning, don't you? I, I told you I was in a naughty mood. I warned you. So here's Jacob, one man in the wilderness and a rock. He lays the rock down and he sleeps. He saw the angelic visitation. Then the next thing was verse 13 the Lord stood over and beside him and said. So the second thing he saw, or heard rather, was the voice of God. So he heard, saw a ladder. Secondly, he heard the voice of God. We need to believe God when we come to the house of God that we're going to hear the voice of God. Because there are people in this place that are waiting to hear the voice of God because they have a particular need. And I want you to start to activate your prophetic juices and your discerning of spirits juices and begin to believe God that when you come into a place like this, that you may get a word, say, God, give somebody on my heart that I can give that a, a word to and wait on the Holy Ghost for that word. And you can just simply sidle up beside him. What's your name, man? Marcus, come up beside Marcus and say, hey, I've got a word from the Lord for you, right? And it could, he could have waited for a week for a word from God. Marcus comes in and because somebody has been obedient in the house of God through prayer and fasting has built a ladder, is in touch with the supernatural presence of God, hears the voice of God for Marcus and gives Marcus the word. We have to be activated because in this culture of church life, we are so focused up the front. We are focused on the man of God. But Jesus sent them out two by two. We have a great commission. We don't have to ask God, God, would you have me go? Because we already have the voice of Christ when he said, go ye. What don't we understand as a church about two words? Go ye. Everybody say, go ye. Go ye. Go ye. Go you into all the world. You don't have to ask God what country I should go to. Just think of a country that you'd like. And just go. Because the Bible says go into all the world. It says, do your lo locale first, do what's around you first, then to the uttermost parts. And this may shock you, but I don't pray about what church. Someone said, do you pray about the churches you go to? Some churches are so bad when I'm in there, I'm praying, God, rapture me now. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? But seriously, no, I don't pray because the Bible says go. I'm merely taking God at his word. But there are times the Spirit of God will tell me, don't. I'm not listening for a yes. I'm listening for a no. 
because I already have the word to go, so I'm, I'm wanting to hear a word no. So it's all go until no. Say that. It's all go until no. You say, well, I'm in deep prayer. Well, you shouldn't be in deep prayer to go. God's already answered the prayer before we even prayed it. Go ye into all the world. Don't pray about it. Just go. Now, when God wants to close a door, he will close it. I've experienced that many times. <coughs> when God says, no, don't do this, and I've heard the no of heaven. Let's just go on. Are you getting something out of this this morning? Glory to God. All right. Okay, verse 17. He was afraid and said, How to be feared and reverenced is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gateway to heaven. So one man, no people, no church building, but an encounter with God that Jacob interpreted when he said, surely this is the house of God. Nothing but Jacob and a rock. And he said, with all the stuff and the encounter that he had, this is the house of God. So what makes up the house of God? What makes up, biblically, what a house of God really is, is people. When Jesus was on earth, he was the embodiment of the house of God. When he was crucified and went to heaven, he passed on the baton to us, and he was the house, now we become the house. But what defines it is the house is three things, four things. The ladder set up on earth to heaven. Angels ascending and descending. The voice of God, three things. The voice of God. That's what defines the house of God. So then you've got to ask yourself the question, is every group of people actually the house of God? If that's what defines the house, if that is not there and there's the absence of... Get my drift? So I think there's a tremendous... I want to tremendously encourage you today to begin to move in to where God wants you to move into. And it brings me to the point of altars. Because if we are establishing a ladder here on earth, we need to make an altar. And Jacob made an altar. What I love about this encounter with Jacob, if you go down to the bottom there, down to the last verse, verse 22, and, and, and he goes on to say, he said this, and this stone which I, he sets up an order, this stone which I have set up as a pillar or a monument shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And all the increase of possessions that you gave me, I will give the tenth to you. What I love about this is that an encounter with God will bring you into a place of prosperity because you become a giver, and if you become a giver, you become a receiver. One of the things I do, if I feel a little lean financially, what I simply do, I call it the Bon Jovi anointing, <laughs> right? 
I simply write a check out. I'll explain Bon Jovi in a minute. I write out a check and I give into the kingdom of God. I did it last week. And I give into the kingdom of God. Last week, because they're going through financial turmoil, uh, my, my offering was very low. And so I looked at that. I thought, my, my goodness, because, you know, the bill's on the road. And, and I'm, I'm frugal. Trust me. I run lean and, and generous myself. I was going to say lean and mean, but I'm not mean. And so what I did, I just immediately wrote out a check, sewed it into the kingdom of God. Right? Now, the Bon Jovi anointing, he was actually having an interview with Oprah. Right? Now, no, I don't watch Oprah. <laughs> I, I don't like Oprah. But I saw Bon Jovi then. I don't mind Bon Jovi. Um, you know, seriously. And uh, so I'm watching Bon Jovi. Because I, I look at Bon Jovi and I think, he's very like me, really. <laughs> to look at, you know. And sort of thinking how lucky Kathy is. And uh, so I'm watching Bon Jovi, and she asked him about his pattern of living. And he said this, he said, he said, I live to give. And surely that's the spirit of Christ. He lives to give. He said, I, he, he is an addicted giver. He said, I love giving. I love giving. And that's the whole gospel is to give. You can receive, but God wants you to give it away. Hands up those who have never, you would like to, but you have never prophesied before in a, in a group of people. You've never prophesied. Put your hands up. Never prophesied. See, some of you are afraid now. You don't want to do that <laughs> because you think I'm going to swing on you and I'll give you the start, yay, behold, and then go for it. But I'm not going to, I'm just wanting you to be really honest with me. If you've had, you'd love to operate in the prophetic, just raise your hands and be brave. Raise your hands. We've got one brave person. Two, three, right, yes, down the back there. There's one or two that I saw you put your hands up, but you don't know where I'm going with this, and so you're not <laughs> going to commit yourself at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. We want to activate that in you today, in the name of Jesus. So the first thing, let's go over to Genesis 35. Genesis 35. Verse 1, and God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar to God who appeared to you in a distinct manifestation when you fled from the presence of Esau, your brother, Genesis 28. Then Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, put away the image of strange gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change into fresh garments. Then let us rise and go up to Bethel. So now God said, you encountered me in Genesis 28, but I want you to go back and build an altar. You can have an encounter with God and not build an altar. An altar speaks of cost. An altar speaks of sacrifice. An altar speaks of determination to follow the plan of God for your life. 
An altar is a place of worship. An altar is where the ladder is built from earth to heaven. An altar is a place that you are focused on the eternal and not on the temporal. There are many altars. There are false altars as well as legitimate altars. I've written a few down here. There, there is the altar of extreme grace. I don't want to go into these altars, but I'm just giving you a few. There, there is the altar of compromise. There is the altar of the rejection of the move of God. There is the altar of the rejection of the Holy Ghost. There is the altar of loose morals. Altars are a place of worship. There's the altars of intellectualism. Intellectually trying to understand, understand God. In fact, so many, so many Christians have, they've, they've got so many degrees, they're going to put on their tombstone, they died by degrees. Hallelujah. Intellectualism, I call it, if you cannot sense God in your spirit, but intellectually trying to understand him. Let me tell you something about your brain compared to God's. Your brain's the size of a pea. And all your study and all your intellectualism and all your degrees that will never understand God. What God wants to do is for you to understand him from your heart. When you understand God from your heart, that's when God can use you and through you. And I call a lot of intellectual people, I'm not against learning or education, but you can be intellectually handicapped. And God wants to free you. God wants to bring you into a place of freedom where you sense His Spirit. Glory to God. I don't know how to describe this, but, but when I'm on an altar call and I'm, I'm, I come look at, the, uh, at, uh, at a, a large church in Florida, I was there uh, at the beginning of the month and I, and I was in this church and the prophetic, the prophetic gift began to flow and I began to prophesy over people. And I thought to myself, how do you know all this stuff? It's just like all of a sudden God gives you a knowing that you know that you know that you know. And that, it's out of that knowing in the spirit that you bring a word to people. That's the only way I can describe the prophetic or a word of knowledge. You just, one minute you know nothing about a person, then all of a sudden, boom, you've got knowledge. But rather than sit on that and don't do anything with that, by faith you become vulnerable, take the risk, and begin to give the word. You're either going to be right or wrong, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. See, when I first started exercising the gifts of the Spirit, no one taught me how to exercise the gift of the Spirit. I just had an incredible passion to, to serve God in, 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 well in the prophetic. So what I did, I stood around church. We were a very prophetic church, mind you. I stood around church, and, and there was always the faithful woman that would always prophesy every Sunday morning. 
Hallelujah. And she would stand up and she'd quiver and shake and have the Pentecostal shakes. And she'd say, yay. Even the Lord would say unto thee. And I thought, well, there you go. That's the start of it. I've got the start. Now all I need is the end. And then she'd say, thus saith the Lord. Right? So I thought, okay. So I stand up because I'm trying to learn. I'm a kid. I'm a teenager. So I, so I think, okay. So I stand up. I go, uh, I go uh, what did I say at the beginning? Yeah. Yea, saith the Lord. Right? And then the end, thus saith the Lord. At the end was kind of like the start and the finish. So all I had to believe God for was the fill. I mean, how do you start? You've got to, see, you've got to, you've got to be innovative. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm ir- irreligious, but I'm not. I'm just trying to learn as a young teenager how to operate the gifts of the Spirit, and no one taught me but, but whoever that woman was, <laughs> right? But she was always faithful. And so what happened now, I stood up one Sunday morning, and the, the worship sort of reached a bit of a lull. It was a nice atmosphere. I stood up in the morning, and, and much of my pastor's shock, mind you, and I said, yay, behold. And he went, like this, because no one had ever seen me that vocal before. I said, yay, behold. And then I panic. Oh, God, where's the fill? I've got, I didn't think I was just stepping out. I've got the end. I've got the start. I've got the end, but where's the fill? And now I'm panicking. on this. It's almost like I'm perspiring blood. And, and I think, oh, God, please, 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 please. And look, I got a couple of phrases. And, and I thought, I don't know where that's God. I'm not weighing it up in the spirit, you know. Yay, behold. Everyone's waiting. Keyboard player. Boom. And I gave it out. And much to the relief of my pastor. And much to my relief. And I gave the word out. I said, thus saith the Lord. And I sat down. I was so myself. I thought a star is born. Glory to God. A star is born. And so the pastor came up to me and he said, uh, you feeling okay? <laughs> That's what he said to me. You feeling okay? I said, yeah, what, what's the problem? He said, well, I've just need, never seen you like that before. And I said, no. I didn't ask him about what he thought about it because I didn't really want to hear. And, um, and so a couple of weeks went by and the Lord actually started to give me things in prayer. And I began to speak it out. And whether I said, thus saith the Lord or not, I lost the start and I lost the fill. I said, I feel the Lord and began to give words. And as I began to get fluent in it, as I began to operate in it, it became easier and easier and easier. And that's the same with all the gifts. But we worship many times at false altars. When God said to Jacob, go back to where I encountered you first, when you were running from Jacob, uh, Esau, and I gave you what the house of God is to look like, go back there and build an altar. I need to have you build an altar. I need to know that in your life, there is going to be a ladder set up from your life to heaven, and I want to use you and speak to you. No one can build an altar for you. Your pastor can't build your altar. Your church can't build an altar. Your spouse can't build an altar. Not even God can build your altar. You must build an altar. And it's not a physical altar. 
We need the altar of sacrifice, of purity, of holiness, of obedience, of true worship. And the result of that altar is incredible joy. I am so happy it's revolting. Glory to God. I wake up happy. I am a, I am a, and I'm optimistic and I'm always happy. There's not a morning, I did it this morning. I woke up in the hotel room. <clears throat> Sometimes I wake up in the hotel room. I don't know whether you've ever done this and you get the horrors because you, you wake up and you think, oh my God, where am I? Have you ever had that feeling in a hotel? And I, and I go, ooh, 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 where am I? And I'm looking around for familiar things and I might see my clothes. Oh, I'm Nigel. You know, because you're going from one bed to another and one experience to another. i got to tell you this. I was in the hotel last night, right? And they didn't tell me that there was a, the bar was open to midnight and they had a live band. <laughs> so I rang the desk and I said, excuse me, uh, what's that noise coming from downstairs? And they said, it's the band. I said, yes, but we've got some rooms up here. You know, and so, this is really funny, it's hilarious. And I, I think all the children left, or they're leaving today, because I checked, I'm going to double check, I think all the kids left. And of course, the kids were swinging from the chandeliers and running up the corridors and screaming and everything else, and, and I'm sitting there trying to be sanctified <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, I, 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 I go out and I think... I, that's what I did. I went out and I had my phone with Preston and I said, Preston, listen to this. So I got out of the hotel. I'm in my sleeps. I'm in my pajamas. I get out of the hotel, right? Listen to that, Preston. And I heard behind me, bang, the door closed. And my key is in the door. <laughs> Glory to God. See, these are things that evangelists will never tell you. Right? And then I realized that I'm, and I'm telling Preston, I'm in my pajamas and I can't get in because the key's in the door. So I had to forget in my head that I wasn't dressed properly. Right? And I toddle off to the elevator. And I go off to the elevator. Where's my key? I go off. Sorry, uh, Brandy. I go off to the elevator and someone had been swimming and didn't dry off, right? And so I'm walking into their swimming pool in the elevator in my sleeps. And I thought to myself, this is hell. <laughs> Glory to God. And so I get down to the reception. Now, there's two ways you can handle life, right? You can be very self-conscious or you can be totally nutty, shut yourself off in the name of Jesus and imagine yourself fully clothed. So I just strolled up to them. I said, good evening, how are you? Uh, can I have a key, please? And they looked at me and they said, what room? I said, oh, and I thought, oh, I hate to forget it. And I told them the room number and they made me a key. And I said, thank you very much. I said, when are the children going? That's what I said. When, when are they going? He said, I think most of them will be gone tomorrow. And I couldn't resist. I went, hallelujah. 
<laughs> like this and went back up to my room. So that's my hotel experience. And how I can even bring the anointing here this morning is a miracle. Glory to God. What building an altar does, and I'm going to bring this to a close. What, what, what a building an altar in your life, what it does, it, and, and you fulfilling your destiny, produces what the scripture calls joy unspeakable. And what's the time, Brandy? She's just giving me the wind up. She's going like this. She is. Brandy's doing this to me. Hallelujah. Because she's, she's running the show. And so, but joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's one thing that, that is an earmark of, of the Holy Ghost, what makes up his nature, is the word joy. True joy. And if we, are, if we have an altar in our life, if we have built an altar, and we are enjoying the supernatural presence of God, and we are fulfilling the plan that God has for our life, that produces incredible joy. Now, I, I got many years ago, actually quite a few years ago, back in the late 70s, early 80s, I, this, this little guy came through, uh, an evangelist, a revivalist really, and they called him the apostle of joy. Now, every Christian should have joy, but, but he, they called him the apostle of joy. I got a deposit from him in a two-week period of joy and that, that has never, I'll, I'll be honest with you, has never left me even in my worst times and my most helling times that I've had, I've never lost the joy. And, and it's amazing because I always, in my life, I've always got plan B. Because if plan A sucks, we've got to move on from here, right? And a lot of people only camp around plan A. But when you fulfill what God wants in your life, He will give you plan B, plan C, plan D, he'll give you the entire alphabet. Hallelujah. How old are you guys? 77. You guys are good for your age though. No, you are. No, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. And uh, what blesses me, I'll always be younger than you. Yeah, every, everybody is. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's like my son said to me, he said, God, he's a pop, you're so old. I said, thank you for encouraging my day. Um, but I used to get all that, when I was pastoring until God delivered me, I, um, I had all these retired people out in the parking lot. See, you missed that last part, but that's all right. Not even present to get it. But, but when I was out in the park, I got all the over 65s out in the parking lot praying for the Holy Ghost to touch the people coming in. So by the time, we were a very supernatural church, but by the time many people came into the church because the gray hairs were praying out there, right, many of them were drunk. Many of the people were drunk in the spirit as they, as they, as they tried to find their seats because I had a legion of retirees out there say, Father, get them in the name of Jesus. Get them in the name of Jesus. And they were praying. See, you've got to be innovative and creative. One lady, I was out in the parking lot praying with them one day, and a lady, uh, she got the joy of the Lord in, she was a passenger, in the car, 
And I watched her as her husband drove her in. She started to play a tambourine in the front. Now, she would normally never do that, right? But you've got the retirees, in the name of Jesus, get them filled with the Holy Ghost like this. And so she, they opened the door, and she fell out sideways onto the ground, still playing the tambourine. I love the church has got to be exciting because we worship an exciting God. And God, I believe now that you own the building, the church may even grow. Hallelujah. Amen. But God doesn't want you to fish here. He wants you to fish out there. You receive here. What God does here, he gives you the bait. And you go fishing outside. Did you get something out of that this morning? Glory to God. I love you, church. We're going to have a phenomenal uh, next two or three days. And I, I'm, I'm not going to pray for you this morning. Tonight, you're just a bit stiff. You frightened me this morning. So what I'm going to do, no, I'm serious. I'm just joking. Uh, well, I'm going to pray for you tonight. But what I'd love to do tonight is having an anointing of oil um, uh, on the altar call. And I want to release people into their destinies. I want to awaken that dream that's in you that you may not have even told your husband or your wife or even your pastor. I want you to cut loose and we're going to awaken that and begin for you to realize it. And I'm here to tell you that however old you are, it's never too late. You, you could have wasted your whole life but it's not too late. Hallelujah. It's never too late. See, I'm in, I'm in the be- I've got the best of both worlds because the old people can't argue with me and I'll always outrun the youth. <laughs> youth can't beat me, right? I'll run harder, pray more for people, right? I'll go all night. They'll peg out after an hour. I'll pray for people up to three or four hours. One of the things this pastor said uh, to this church, in, in this large church in, uh, what's his name, in Florida. He said, I know Nigel's reputation. He will pray for hours if necessary. Not too many young chaps will, will do that today. Glory to God. So I'm excited about it. Could we just do, could we just do this? Everybody just do this? Could we, uh, now, some of you are saying, I don't want to do that. It's because you're rebellious. <laughs> Let's all do this. And that means... We're going to have a really great time tonight. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.